So I've called this sermon today, Why I Love to Tithe. It's a personal testimony for me. I love to give to God. I, it's so exciting to me to think about how I can do more every year. There's a guy named John Templeton. You may have heard of him, the Templeton Fund. He said this, I've observed 100,000 families over my years of investment counseling. So he's worked with 100,000 families. I always saw greater prosperity and happiness among those families who tithe than among those who didn't. Now, this is a guy who's looking at their monthlies, right? He's helping them know what they can invest and how to do the best with their portfolio. And he also notices along the way that the ones who tithe are the ones who seem to be happier and doing a little better. So 100,000 examples, I thought that was kind of interesting. It's also interesting that John Templeton himself gave a billion dollars to charity before he died. He died in 2008, I believe. A billion, not a million, a billion dollars. So he's a guy that had this heart for God and heart for God's work and did some wonderful things. Why I tithe, first of all, because it's all God's money. Four things I want to share to you, with you today. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you didn't know it's really true that you don't own anything. That everything that is in your hands is His. And you are the steward of His money. You are the steward of His house. You are the steward of His car. So if He ever tells you, give that car that you have to someone, and it's really coming from His heart, and you sense it, and you know it, it's His car. So you give it to them, right? So, so we are just those who follow God, and we're stewards, not owners. So let's talk about that a little bit in terms of the tithe. The word tithe comes from a Hebrew word that means 10. So the, the word is literally 10%. That's, that's what this word is in, in, in the Old Testament Hebrew. 10%, and they would bring in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, 10% of their grain, 10% of their fruit, or their animals, or if they didn't want to carry the animals all the way to the temple where they would bring the gift or the fruit because it was heavy, they would just convert it to cash and bring the 10% cash. Some people don't know that, but many of them did that in, in, in those days. And here's why God instituted the tithe. This is his system. This is what he asked for, and that's why I preach it. The tithe was instituted by God to support the ministers of his temple, the ministries, and, 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 and the temple itself. So they would bring their sacrifices, and they had the Levites, and they had the priests, all of them from the, the tribe of Levi, but, but the priests were those that were Aaron's uh, descendants, that, that they got to minister uh, the, 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 the sacraments and, and do the ministry with the people. But the Levites would take care of the, uh, of the temple of God, and they would prepare the sacrifices, and all these people, his priests had to be taken care of. So God said, here's what we're going to do. You're going to give 10%, and then I'm going to bless you because you gave it, and you're not really even going to lose anything. And we'll see that as, as, as we see that it's part of our worship and trust in God. There were special storage rooms in the temple for keeping the grain and the produce and the money that the people would bring. And some people look at this and say, well, 10%, that's a lot. That's just a little too much. I, I, why so much? Couldn't it be something else? Here's what we need to remember. As I started saying, it's all God's anyway. 
Really, it's 100% his. And he's saying, in the stewardship, I'm going to let you use some of it for your family and the things that, that you have to do for your livelihood and, and living. But I want you to give the 10% to me. And here's what it says in First Chronicles rather, 29.12. It says, wealth and honor come from you. So our wealth comes from God. Verse 14 says, everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. So see, it's all his. And then verse 16, it all belongs to you. Deuteronomy 8, 18. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Even the gift that you have. I know some of you have worked hard and you've disciplined yourself. And that, that can result in, 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 in making a lot of money. And, and, and I appreciate your discipline. And, and, and because of your discipline, you might be doing better than others. But you need to remember that the giftedness even to make money that was in you and that God, that, that's there, God put that there too. You wouldn't even know how to do that if God hadn't put those, those gifts within you. So even that ability to figure it out and to make it happen comes from Him. And that works in the lives of people who aren't even believers. If they have that giftedness, uh, uh, they, 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 learn how to, they learn how to make money. It comes from God that He puts in individuals. As I think about this and what God says about tithing, I was uh, looking at an article this week. There was a couple that was arrested for robbing a bank in Ohio. And you know why they caught them? Because they put a picture of themselves on Facebook with the money. Never cease it. I mean, how, how, uh, how idiotic can you be? The guy stuffed a roll of cash in his mouth and put it on, on, on Facebook, and they came and they arrested him. Think of it. That, he, him and his girlfriend, 28 and 24-year-old, they, they walk into a bank. They, they, they cover themselves. They steal people's hard-earned money. I mean, the goal to think, I don't want to work, but uh, you've worked and you're trying to protect your funds. I'm going to go in there and take your funds because I don't, I, I don't want to have to do it myself. I'm going to take this that's yours. It, it's, it's, it's just not right. And I think of that, and then I think of a scripture in Malachi 3 where God's talking about the tithing, and he says this, will a man rob God? That's an interesting thought. Of course you wouldn't rob God. Well, you know who he is. You love him. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. Oh, my. He says, it's mine. He says, I've asked for it. He says, I want to take care of my church and the work of my church. I want the lights on. I want the building looking nice. I want children's pastors. How do you think we got those, those children and youth pastors that are so awesome for your kids and grandkids? Because the tithe is paying for it. You say, well, I don't pay tithe, and they're there for me. Well, thank God somebody is. And they're there for you and for your kids. And we'll keep them there for you and your kids. But think of what can happen if the church everywhere gives the tithe how the gospel could go forward in an even greater way in our community. And he says, you're robbing me. And here's what he says in verse 9. Now, this is a nation that had heard the word of God to tithe, and they had done it for a season, and then they stopped. Verse 9, because of it, he says, you're under a curse. The whole nation of you, you've been robbing me. And for those who think 10% is just too much, this sermon is, is for you to, to open your heart and realize how he wants to bless you. So if you had a, a person who said, I want to go into business with you. I like, what, I like what you do. And here's the deal. I have all the capital. You'll never have to worry about the money. And I'm going to give you, uh, you, you, whatever comes out of that for profit, uh, um, I'll take 10%, even though I'm providing all the capital, and you take 90%. That'd be 
uh, a crazy deal for someone to go into business. If that money was always there for you when you needed to apply it for, for, for that business, right? Well, think of this. God is your business partner. And God has said to you, listen, we're going, we're going into this together. You give, the, you, you, you give me the 10, that's all I need, and I'll give you the 90. And, and this is what we need to remember. This is God Almighty. This is God who has all things in his hands. This is God who loves you. This is God who can speak and breathe and touch and something rises up that wasn't there. He can speak it into existence. He can bless you. He's, he's a business partner that has all the power and all the resources. And he says, I got you. All I'm asking for is 10%. Interesting thought, huh? Second point. I tithe because it's how God has chosen to take care of his church. It's his financial plan. It's for the ministers, for the ministry, for his temple. Someone wrote on my Facebook, this kind of seems self-serving when you talk about tithe and church. Well, I guess if you want to think about it that way, you could. It's true to some degree that I really want our kids to have a youth pastor. It's true that I really want to Pay the people who spend 50 hours here arranging seats a week and, and, and making sure things are clean. It, it, it's true that it takes, it takes money to do these things, and, and, and it's true that the tithe is for these things. So I don't want you know, to act like that's not true, but it's also true that because these things are happening, lives are being touched and changed, and it's all about Jesus Christ to us. And it's also true that God is saying, hey, do this for me so that my church might be built. When God is high and lifted up, he draws all people to him. And the churches that are lifting him up high are worthy for the tithe to come. I know people cheat and lie and steal in the name of Jesus. I know that. But hopefully you're around a church long enough to figure out if they're for real and if there's ministry happening in your community. There are some great churches around us. I love Pastor Mike at Grace Chapel, great church. You, you, you know, whoever's going, I wish they would pay the tithe because God's using those guys greatly. I, I love Pastor Brett and Athey Creek. What a great church over there. And, and, and I, I hope that people that are going there pay the tithe so those ministers and the work of God and the word of God can be spread. I love Pastor Bill. What a great church at Rolling Hills. I love John Mark at a Jesus church, formerly Solid Rock. They're doing the Nissan Datsun thing. You know, they, they, but that is a great church. And I, I love the church of Jesus Christ everywhere where it's working right. And there's so many churches where it does work right. And when you can find one of those, you move in, you settle in, you start to serve, you become part of it, and you give the tithe so that God's ministers, God's ministries, and God's temple can be taken care of and the work of God can go forward. It's the way he said it. Now, some people don't know that Jesus affirmed the tithe. The best doctrine you can find in the Bible is when you find it in the Old Testament, you find the doctrine in the New Testament, and then Jesus said it. When it comes to the tithe, we have all three. We're reading some Old Testament scriptures today, but did you know in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said this, you should tithe, yes. Now, he's talking to some people that weren't loving right, and they were counting on their tithes for their righteousness. That's not a right thought. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus doesn't say anything he doesn't mean. Jesus was very careful with his words when he lived on this earth because he wanted to move us towards all the right things and away from all the wrong things. So he's very purposeful in everything that's written red in red in the Bible. That's what Jesus said in the New Testament. And what he said was, you should tithe, yes. 
He knew the importance of the ministry of God being supported and going forward. In Malachi 3.10, it says this, back to that passage where God said, you're robbing me. And in that context, he also said, bring the whole tithe. Bring all 10%. You can't say I'm tithing 2% because you, you're literally saying I'm 10%ing 2%. Because tithing means 10. Bring it to the storehouse. What's the storehouse? It's the place where ministry's happening. In the Old Testament, they went there for the sacrifices. They went there to get prayed for. The priests would minister to them and for them and for their families. And it was happening locally. And for you, wherever you go to church, if it's one of these great churches that I talked about, tithe there. You see, when I was a, a young man about eight years old and my parents came to Jesus Christ, they surrendered in this area called tithing completely right away. They were just in. They were just all in to the lordship of Jesus Christ and building his church. And by faith, they stepped out, and they taught us, give the 10%. For every dollar I had when I was a little guy, I gave a dime to God. And there's nothing that I enjoy more, as a matter of fact, I ask them to bring them to me, than a child who might put in an envelope a few coins for their tithe. Because I know that that child is headed for blessing. That child's going to be a kingdom builder. That child gets it, and that parent is helping them to come alongside God in the work that God's called them to. Bring the tithe to the storehouse. I knew that I would be blessed if I brought it. I believed that my, my 10 cents was going to go for the kingdom of God to do something great in God's church. And that's the way I felt as a little guy. And today, listen, you, you couldn't stop. You couldn't make me stop tithing. You couldn't do it. If I had great bills that I couldn't pay and I had $100, I'd, I'd pay my tithe. Always first, the first fruits, right? Think of a farmer. He takes, what does he take? He takes the seed from the harvest first. Why? Because he's planting that seed and he's going to get a crop next year. What if he doesn't take that seed? That's the first fruits, right? What if he doesn't take that to replant? He's got harvest issues next year. And God says, bring the first fruits and watch, see how I will bless you. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But bring the tithe to the storehouse, the local church, the local body, that my work might be done. If a robber steals from your house, let's say he just goes in, a thief in the night, steals jewelry, steals your cash, steals some expensive items, sells them, converts everything to cash, and then he starts to give away to some other people. I have a question for you. Is he charitable? No, he's not because he took it. And sometimes we don't bring the tithe to the storehouse and we say, well, God, you've asked for it here in your house, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to give it over here. But he said, bring the tithe to the storehouse. He also talks about offerings. We'll talk about that. Tithe goes to the storehouse. Offering goes all across the world and across the street where we reach out to the poor. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Bring it to my house, he said. Haggai chapter 1, verse 9. By the way, some of you may cringe when you think of the, this topic, but there are other people here that have learned the blessing of tithing so much that they, they actually get excited when they hear I'm going to talk about it on Sunday morning. I, I talk about the tithe usually once a year for the 22 years that I've been senior pastor here. And I'll talk about giving beyond us way more than that when it comes to kingdom builders and missions. But the tithe, once a year in a sermon and a few touch points through the year. And, and there's two reasons I do that. Number one, I know that it will bless God's church and build God's church. Listen, you can't do it without the tithe. 
You can't have a work of God really going without the tithe. You can have it going here and have it going there. Did you know that 90% of the people that start in the ministry and have a call of God fall out of that career before only 10% finish their career in the ministry as pastors? You know why? One of the biggest reasons is the people of God do not support the work of God for those ministers. And since there's no place where that salary can go to them, then they have to go back to their homes and take care of their family in some other means. And that happened in the Bible. Haggai the prophet was talking about some people that were thinking of their own homes and so much so that the Levitical priest and the Levites, the temple wasn't taken care of, the tithe wasn't coming in, and because they couldn't take care of the house of God and take care of their families, they left the temple and they went home to take care of their families. And here it is in Haggai 1.9. Listen how God felt about that when his ministries and his ministers weren't taken care of. Haggai 1.9. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. They didn't tithe. They weren't taking care of his house. What you brought home, I blew away. Now, they're not tithing. And he said to them, you're not taking care of my house. And what you brought home because you weren't tithing, I blew away. No covering. Why, declares the Lord, because my because of my house which remains in a ruin while each of you is busy with his own house. <clears throat> I know you don't have much to give because, you know, it's hard to pay for those three cars. It's hard to pay for, for seven TVs and the cable for that. These things are so difficult. It's, you can't give God the tithe because your money has to, you know, it's 160 bucks a, a month for, for, for cable. It's interesting how we think about these things, isn't it? These are all, I, I got to have three cars, you know, because I got, I, got, I got my car that I like to cruise in, you know, on an on a easy day where, where I, you, you know, I can just have fun. Then I have my car going to work and it has to have very, we have all these things and we're thinking about our house and our sprinkler system and our, and our new furniture and, you know, after all, we have to be presentable. We want to, but we don't even think about God's house. So God did the whole tithing thing because of his house. He's very, very wise. And so he makes plans, and his plans take care of his house and his people. So, let's move on. Enough of that. Not only am I excited to preach to you so that the house of God can be taken care of, but I'm excited to preach to you because I know the blessing that comes when people give and they tithe. Third point. I tithe because God promises to bless and cover and protect me if I do. See, you're not only ripping off God or his church. You know, it said rob, right? So that if that sounds too strong, he, he, he used the word rob. You're ripping yourself off. There's so many stories. You're going to hear some today about people who give and they give the tithe. And, and when they do, they take that step of faith. The Lord meets them immediately and they know how, how much more awesome he is because they saw him move. And if you never, here's what he said in, 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 in Malachi 3, test me in this. If you never test him in this, you can never know of his true greatness and how he's got you at every corner, every place. I remember days when we were young and my dad would be in between. In churches those days, they were, they were smaller. He'd be in, in between. We just pay the tithe no matter what. And I'm going to tell you something. God always took care of us. No money would come in, and somehow he would, he would just take care of us because his hand was upon us because he promised to bless and protect. And he says to you, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, emphasis on Almighty, 
all provision in his hands. He's the one that directs the flow of all resources. He's completely in charge in every situation. Nothing escapes him. And he can do whatever. He can speak and it will happen. He can think it and it will happen. He's almighty. See if I, and here's what he says to you, test me. See if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord God Almighty. Now, I drive a 2002 Passat, and uh, I, the, the Lord just keeps it running. And, and when, it, when it says the pests will not devour your crops, remember, that was agriculture. That was their business, farming in those days. That, that's, that was the, the core of business in, in the Old Testament that he was talking to. And the pests were the insects and the things that would destroy the crop and, and even the, the storms that would come or, or the lack of rain. And God said to those people, if you will tithe, I'll keep the pests from devouring your crops. Now, this is, this is what I think it means, less lawsuits against your business. I think it, makes, it means that your tires will last longer. You could, come on, pastor. Hey, you made the children of Israel, the tread on those shoes last for 40 years. I think you don't have to buy a new refrigerator as much. Now, this is just me thinking that he covers me in so many ways. I don't have to pay for as much as other people have to pay for because he's got me covered. And even if something does go wrong because a car will break down, I, I, he's got me. Now, you still have to have in play this, this principles of stewardship in the Bible. You can't tithe and be idiotic with your finances and expect blessing, right, to live beyond your means. But when you tithe, there is a special blessing and covering that keeps the pests from devouring. God says he will bless you, and we can never find that out unless we test him. Some people say, well, it's not as strong in the New Testament as you're saying, Pastor Stan. Well, listen, it was in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. Jesus said, you know, you should do this, yes. But, but to, to those who might think, you know, you want something stronger, let me, let me tell you that the New Testament principle is grace giving. And grace giving is we've been given so much that, that you know, Jesus has come now and, 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 and we're, we're saved and he's healed us and he's blessing our lives and he's got us covered and now we're going to give him less? Grace giving is not less than 10%. It would be more. It would be the tithe and, and the offering. And here it is in 2 Corinthians 9, 9 6. As God talks about giving in the New Testament, he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. This is, this is talking about giving. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. I have a little example for you today. Anybody notice this shovel up here this morning laying here? So there's another scripture that says, when it comes to giving with the measure you meet, it will be measured unto you. So when it comes to our resources, because they prove that Jesus is Lord and our lives are not too. What, do we, what measure do we have when we give to him? If we say, I'm going to give you, Lord, I measure this out. And this is the measure I'm going to receive because it's the measure I'm giving you. I'm going to sow sparingly. And this is the measure I'm going to reap is sparingly. Or do we say, I'm going to sow generously. I did this in the first service and someone said, hey, I... I really dig that illustration. You sow generously, and you reap generously. You go, come on, Pastor, listen, is this Scripture or, or isn't it? Is he bigger than you think? No matter what you think and no, how awesome, no matter how awesome you think he is, he's bigger and he's better. 
Because none of us completely get who he is. So I want to be the one that sows and, uh, uh, generously. And the Lord blesses me generously. Now, I don't think it's all about cash. I don't think it's all about money. A lot of people have money and have no joy and happiness in their lives. I think this covering is everywhere in our lives. And I think if you'll take the step, he'll bless you. Here's a couple testimonies from Facebook. Just this week, I asked, give me a tithing testimony. And Steve says, here's one. When I was a new student at the U of O and living primarily off financial aid, God was challenging me in the area of tithing. I decided to tithe knowing I would have no money left for the rest of the month. The next day I got up, I got a call from the University of Oregon Registrar's Office saying that I had a check waiting for $286.30. Now this is many years later, so I find it interesting that, that, that he remembers the exact amount. He said, I asked them, where did this check come from? And they said, there's no name attached to it. I went down to pick it up. It was an official, official check from the University of Oregon, cut to me, but they had no record of why or where it came from. He said, I always say that I was on scholarship from God in college. Leslie says, I'd been in a lot of debt before I became a Christian from medical bills and no insurance. I'd worked three jobs for three years to try to pay it off, but seemed to be getting nowhere. And after becoming a Christian, I came to church and heard you preach on tithing. Now you say, why, why do you preach on tithing, Pastor Stan? Because I know it builds this church and I know it blesses people. Am I not going to allow Leslie to experience this? I, she, won't, she may not if her pastor doesn't talk about it at some point. She said, the Holy Spirit convicted me and I felt I needed to tithe. However, I had no idea how I was going to do it. I'd been working three jobs and couldn't pay off my medical bills. Right after getting saved, I broke my leg and was only working one job. I kept saying, this isn't possible, but I trusted God and stepped out in faith within two years with less money than I'd been making previously and a shorter time frame, I was able to pay off over $10,000 of medical bills while tithing. You say, I don't want to give the 10%. I did, it's just not in my heart. Well, listen, you are giving the 10% already. It's just going somewhere else. Because when there's no covering over our finances, it goes to the car. It goes to the lawsuit. It goes to the trouble. Because he said, I'll prevent the pest from devouring. So you're giving more than the 10%. It's getting away from you. And when you bring it under all this realm of obedience to God, God says, I got you now. I'm behind you. I got it. Does he love you? He loves you if you don't tithe. I'm not even going to look at the tithing records. I don't do that. Because I just love people and I'm here to minister to people. But I want you to be blessed and I want his church to be blessed. People who lovingly give the tithes and they give the offerings to God find whatever is left over goes much farther and brings much greater blessing. And there's no way you can know that unless you test him as he says. Most importantly, what's a test? Give him a season. Give him a season of the tithe. And if it doesn't work out for you, then don't do it. But I'm going to tell you what, if you, if you do it from your heart as a test to God to say, God, I'm going to trust you that you're as great as you say you are, that you'll have me, you'll see him move. You'll see him move on your behalf and your worship will be greater because you go, oh my goodness, he's meeting my need in this moment. He sees me, he knows me, he loves me, he's bringing his provision. The best reason to give the tithe is you're storing treasure up in heaven. I don't know exactly how it works, but I know this, that when you get to heaven, 
the works of your life, even though salvation covers you and you'll be saved, but, but the, every, every Christian will not have the same in heaven. It's really, it's really true. We all get heaven. We're walking on streets of gold. Money isn't the big deal. But somehow, some way, for those who've sacrificed in serving and giving, their treasures laid up. You see, that sounds radical. Well, listen to this, Matthew 6, 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. So there you have it, that, that somehow in some way, do you know uh, that, that the Bible says um, that, that, to, uh, that, that, that up in heaven there'll be rewards, that our works will be tried by fire and the wood, hay, and stubble uh, there's things that are burning. You know what wood, hay, and stubble is? It's cars, it's houses, it's things we use for our own purposes. The Bible says that it's, it's just burned and, as chaff and goes away. We, we won't see it again. But the, but the Bible says that the things that are given to God uh, come forward in the fires, they're tested, and they're pure silver and they're gold and they're treasure in heaven. Colonel Sanders, you know, they have some imposters on those commercials these days for KFC, Right? Kind of interesting because they all look the same, but if you look close, they're different guys each time that they're putting in there. They're deceiving us. They're, they're having fun. I know, I know they're just having fun. But Colonel Sanders was a very godly guy who was a giver. I know that he gave, uh, just before he died, $2 million to the Assemblies of God in missions, and he gave everywhere. People say he went bankrupt. No, he didn't. He gave away so much. He gave away everything that he had before he went to heaven. And, and he's and, and he probably purposeful in that. And here's what he said. He's gone now. He's been dead for a while. But he said, there's no reason to be the richest man in the cemetery. Because you can't do any business from there, he said. I got a feeling that when Colonel Sanders walked into heaven, he saw a reward that wasn't about chicken. It was about an investment for eternity. God says... I will bless you. I will cover you. And we're laying treasures up in heaven. I like to say you won't be in heaven five minutes before you thank God for Pastor Stan encouraging you to give because there'll be treasure and reward there for you. Fourth thing, I tithe because I love to give. Now, this is my personal testimony. I love it. I want to give more every year. There's something of joy that comes to me when I give. For a while, I'm going to make a confession. The other services didn't hear this. I wanted to be the number one giver in our church. I'm really competitive. <laughs> and I wouldn't always know who it was, but I'd ask, who, where, where, who, uh, how, how am I doing? You're number three, pastor. And I'm, I'm giving more and moving down on the list. You guys are becoming more and more generous all the time. And I... I, I, I love that, but man, I want to do better. This is the way I feel. I want to do better every year. I want to give more to God than I give to my retirement. I'm into assurance more than insurance. You know what I mean? I, I've got insurance. But I, I just want to, this is, this is the place where I really have goals, giving. I want to do more because he, here's why. I can't believe what he has done for me. I am so thankful. 
I don't know what I would be if, if God hadn't forgiven me for my sin and called me into his kingdom. I might be a criminal. You say, Pastor, are you really that bad at the core of your heart? I, I would hope I wouldn't be, but half my relatives in California are. True story. I don't know what I would be without him, but I know this. I was a great sinner. And I don't mean that in awesome sense. I mean that I made a lot. I'd be ashamed to tell you some of the things I did. What I want to tell you about is the grace of God that covered my life. And he came to me and he said, I'm going to forgive you of all that. And then he called me into ministry and I said, God, I can't do it because you remember those things I did. And, and God said to me, no, I don't remember because I take your sins and I cast them into this, this sea of forgetfulness never to be brought up against you again. You're a new creation. You're brand new in me. Go forward. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless your life. I give you eternal life. I can't believe the wife he's given me. I can't believe that I have these awesome kids that I get to interact with all the time. I can't believe I get to be here with you and know people who love God with all their hearts. I, he's given me all of this. Everything that is good in my life has come from his hands. Why would I worry about a measly little 10% going to him? Everything good that's happened to me is because of him. And I want to give him more than that. Not because I have to, but because I love him for what he's done for me. There's a place in the Bible, in, in, in the book of Luke, chapter 7, where some religious people have invited Jesus into their home. And, and I think they're inquisitive. They really want to see if this, if this Jesus is, is for real. If he's the son of God, they're hearing these rumors. So they invite him in and they're talking, interacting. And, and we don't know if it was a prostitute, but there are some people who think it was. A lady came in. And we don't know if it's Mary Magdalene, but some people think it was. But this we know. The passage says she was a very great sinner and everyone knew it. And somehow she finds her way into this respectable man's home and she kneels down and she, she puts this perfume that's very expensive and, and she, she wipes his, his feet with her tears and her hair. And, and this guy, that, that, that this religious person, not relationship, but he's religious, he's seeking, if he wants a relationship with Jesus, he has this thought, if he knew who she was, he wouldn't let her do that. And Jesus, he didn't say the words, he thought the words. Jesus, perceiving his thoughts, he perceives all of our thoughts, said, hey, let me tell you what's going on here. Verse 47, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. He's saying she's been forgiven of so much that she has this great thankfulness in her heart. And never forget this. The tithes and offerings are not just supporting the ministry of God's church, but by giving them, we're also giving thanks to God for his bountiful provision in every area of our lives. I've been forgiven. I'm blessed. I'm taken care of by my heavenly Father. It's a great privilege to give to him. And I'll tell you, I love the bride. I love his church. I love all these great churches around us and these great pastors. Because when you're in a good church, you know what's happened? When you give your tithe, you're giving to people being saved and lives being changed. You're giving to the broken being healed. You're giving to the raising up of a child that's finding Jesus and will change their world. I love the bride of Christ. I know, I know a lot of people don't like her. 
I know that the bride of Christ, the church, isn't perfect. I know that there are those who masquerade as the church and they're hypocrites and they've deceived people into thinking all the church is bad. But the true church of Jesus Christ is the hope of this world. It's the body of Christ. It's the people that he's chosen to move through. It's the church with a large C, not a small C. It's all of us together. We are the hope of the world. You say, we're not. Jesus is. But who are we bringing? We're bringing Jesus to the world that they might know him. We're lifting him up, as you've seen this morning. We love him, and we know that he will change their lives. You can have all the money in the world and be completely brokenhearted with no relationship. You can have no money at all and be completely broken heart. Wherever you are, whoever's forsaken you, Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. He'll come into your heart and life. He'll walk with you. He'll raise you up. He'll bring you into a family. He will give you eternal life. The church is all about that. The church is the greatest hope for our generation. Why wouldn't I want to give to the church? There's no better place that I could give God's money than the place he's asked to bring it to the storehouse, to, to let it flow through his servants, to touch the world. And if some of you are thinking, well, what about the poor? Let's talk about that. He said, are you robbing me? You are robbing me, rather, in the tithes and the offering. Tithe is 10%, offering is beyond that. All through the Bible, he talks about giving to the poor. Unless you think we're not into that, I want to challenge you a little bit this morning. You go, I'm not doing that. I don't believe in that. Okay, believe in this. It'll st it, the Lord will still bless you, even for this piece with offering. On October 18th, we're coming for a one-day-to-feed-the-world offering. 100% of that offering will go to feed 14,000 children who are stricken by poverty across the world through an organization called Convo Convoy of Hope. Now, now, we're very careful about who we work with when it comes to missions and who we give through. Convoy of Hope, they do disaster relief. You'll see them anywhere there's a hurricane, anywhere there's a, a tornado, a storm, an earthquake, anywhere there, where there's a massive disaster, they will show up all across the world. I love Convoy of Hope because I've seen that they always attach the love of God to it. When they work in a community, they'll, come, they'll park at a church, and the church will be there to minister the needs of the people too. And Walmart and Costco and all these corporations work with them because they're trustworthy. They send truckloads to them to help them too. But 14,000 children are fed who wouldn't have a meal every day. And October the 18th, I'm asking you to bring a love offering on our One Day to Feed the World offering. And here's the sacrifice that I want to challenge you with. I'd like you to think about and pray about giving one day's salary to feed the children of the world who are hungry. I'm hoping for an offering on October 18th of, of $50,000. Where each one of us, you might say, well, I make $5,000 a day. Someone's going, who does that? There could be someone here who does that, even secretly, right? They don't want you to know. There could be someone here who's making $40 a day. But the point is, we're asking for an equal level of sacrifice that we might give and bless the children of the world who may not even eat. And each one of these children have a presentation of the gospel as well in these countries across the world. So on October 18th, pray about what you can do. I was talking to my parents about this. They don't have jobs, but they have an income in retirement. So they're figuring it out. What's that look like, you know, for me? Think about 200 work days a year and, and give one of those days to feed the poor of the world. And I promise you, you know what God says? When you give to the poor, you lend to God. Wow. Well, I promise you, God's a guy who always, or God's a God who always pays his debts. 
you know, and, and he, he will bless you. So we're doing that, and we're coming for the poor too. We give well beyond uh, this church. Uh, you know, our, our, our kingdom builders' missions beyond this place is a million dollars that we're a year that we, last year that we did to reach beyond us, and we're coming for that offering October 18th. So be praying. Now, one last story here. Wes says, it was a few years ago, it's a Facebook responder here, we had a very tight month. We were not sure how we were going to pay our bills, yet alone have a Christmas for our kids. My wife and I have learned over the years to be faithful in our tithing despite what might not come in. This was one of those months. We're tempted to not be faithful, LOL, he said. After we paid our tithe and rent, we were on our knees, and I received a message from someone that I don't regularly talk with, and when I called him back, he said, I want to meet up with you and have a cup of coffee. And I was thinking, I don't even have enough money to afford the gas to go have coffee with this guy. But I felt God was telling me to go. He said, when we met that he and his wife had had our family on their hearts and they felt like they needed to give us something. And they gave us money, and it wasn't a small amount. It was a significant amount. We were able to pay our bills for the month and have a great Christmas for our kids. Test it. Build this church. Reach the lost. Quote from young man Tyler, one young man in, on Facebook, he said, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I've been blessed by God because of our faithfulness, he's speaking of him and his wife, our faithfulness to tithe, even when we felt we couldn't afford to. If you will give the 10% to God of your income, you'll not only have more to live on, but a greater sense of satisfaction, faith, expectancy, fulfillment, and worship to God. He'll show himself to you in a way that's beyond what you've ever seen or experienced if you haven't done this. And his greatness will grow in your eyes you'll understand more and more how loving and what great provision he brings to his children.